you're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. So a little question to, to start off. How do you think people around you in Houston and and, and, the, and the kind of uh, surrounding area, how do you think they would describe you as a church um, or as Christians? What, what characterizes you uh, as a church? What would they say? Maybe, maybe they'd say, oh, those are the guys who, yeah, they meet together at the River Oaks on a Sunday morning, don't they? Or might they say, well, they're, they're, those are the guys, those are those guys are really involved in the community, aren't they? Or maybe they'd say, yeah, there's those guys who do baptisms in the back of trucks in the car park. Or maybe they'd say they're guys who do amazing barbecues. What would they say? What, would, what distinguishes you as a church? Uh, we get, we're getting here to the, to the last words uh, of Paul to the, the church in Philippi. Uh, and what does Paul say is supposed to characterise them as a church? What does God say is supposed to characterise them as a church? Well, look at verse 4. It's joy. Isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always, says Paul. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, I don't know if, how much you, you know the, the letter uh, to, to the Philippians, but if you've, if you've read it even just once, you'll know that joy is a massive theme in this letter. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul prays with joy because of the Philippians' partnership with him in the gospel. Verse 18, Paul rejoices because Christ is preached. Verse 25, Paul prays for their, uh, Paul lives even for their progress and their, uh, and their joy in the faith. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, the, the love that the Philippians have for one another is what makes Paul's joy complete. Verse 17, Paul rejoices that the Philippians don't complain, uh, uh, but, but that they, they shine like lights in the world. Uh, chapter 2, verse 18, Paul tells them to rejoice and to share their joy with him. Uh, chapter 2, verse 29, Paul tells them to receive Epaphroditus with a joy without limits. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, the Philippians are the joy and the crown of Paul. And then uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 4, he repeats three times this commandment, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. I notice that, that Paul doesn't say here, rejoice from time to time. He doesn't say rejoice as much as you can, depending upon what your circumstances are like. He says rejoice always, in every circumstance. Unless we think that this is some idyllic kind of idea that Paul's talking about, Paul gives himself as an example of this kind of indestructible joy, doesn't he? Verses 9 to 13, just look with me. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you'd had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? Here's a guy 
who had been whipped several times, who, who'd been shipwrecked more than once, who'd been abandoned by his friends, who'd gone without food and without shelter, who'd seen his plans destroyed, who was often uh, despised and hated by the people he'd given himself to love. And yet he says that he has learned to be content, full of joy even, in every circumstance. And that is the kind of robust, solid, indestructible joy that is supposed to characterise the Philippian church and which is supposed to characterise us too as Christians. That's what people around us are supposed to say when they, when they see us. They're supposed to say, well, these Christians, they're just so joyful. And not just Sunday morning during their, their, their meeting, but all through the week, even when the Astros lose, even when everything goes wrong, even when their plans go astray and they're frustrated in what they want, these guys are full of joy. Don't you want to be part of a community like that? And imagine the impact of a community like that on the people around us. Well, people would want to know, would they? How can I get a joy like that, a stable joy, even in the face of the problems that I'm facing in my life? So the question is how? How can we be that kind of community in a world full of problems? Well, there are two things that Paul tells us that we need to do if we want to be that kind of community. And the first is this. Seek your joy in the Lord. Seek your joy in the Lord. Just look again at verse 4 of chapter 4 with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, that is pretty weird, isn't it? Because that is an order. It's a command. And how can you command somebody to be joyful, to rejoice? Joy isn't something you can just decide to have just like that, is it? You can't decide to be joyful all the time. Life is rubbish. Sometimes life is really incredibly rubbish. Maybe you know that very clearly this morning. Maybe that's why you came this morning. Well, the Philippians, they knew that too. They had people around them who were opposing them just because they were Christians. Uh, they had inside the church problems of division. We see that in verses 2 uh, and 3, problems of division within their community. Life was difficult for these Christians. But look again at what Paul says, because he doesn't actually tell them to go looking for joy. He doesn't tell them to, to, to pretend to be joyful when, in fact, everything's bad. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, at the end of the day, they're not to be fixated on joy. They're to be fixated on the Lord Jesus himself. I've got three boys, one girl and three boys, and two of my boys in particular have what we like to call a hanger problem. What's a hanger problem? A hanger problem is that at a certain point in the middle of the afternoon, there's this moment when they become intolerably and unbearably hungry. 
Uh, why is that? It often happens with boys. I guess you guys, as your kids grow up, you'll, 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 you'll know this. What, what, how can you tell? Well, because they get this kind of look on their face. Their eyebrows go all contorted. They become sensitive and they start crying for any and every reason. Now, what can I do as a dad for my boys? Well, what I could do is say to them, boys, stop being hungry. I could say, boys, have a full stomach. But that's not going to cut it, is it? In fact, that's just going to increase the hunger. What do I need to do? Well, I need to give them something to eat. I need to give them a breakfast burrito like I had this morning. I need to give them a plate um, of, of French fries or, or, or a glorious cake so that they can feast on that cake. And that is what Paul is saying to the Philippians. He is telling them to feast on Jesus in their hearts. Because that is the only way that joy is going to overflow from their hearts in every circumstance, if they're feasting on Jesus. Joy doesn't produce itself. Joy comes from a heart which is full of Christ. But our problem is that very often we look for joy in all the wrong places. Now, I don't know if it's ever, has it ever happened to you that, that, that a, 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 a mum gives you her baby. And you didn't necessarily want this baby, but this mum gives you her baby. And here you are holding this baby. It used to happen to, I had older brothers who had, I had four nieces. And often when I was kind of 14, 15, I would be, I would be past this baby. Uh, and this look of kind of fear would, would come across my, my face. And to start with, everything was okay. It kind of, well, you know, the baby smiled and kind of gurgled nicely and everything was, everything was going well. And then at a certain point, uh, a certain moment, sometimes calamity would strike because this baby would start to grimace. This baby would start to just kind of, kind of make pre-crying noises and then the worst thing possible would happen for a young, awkward English boy of 14 years old. This baby would start rooting around for milk. This baby would start sucking my jumper. And, and here's me, I'm looking bewildered like a rabbit in the headlights. Where, where, where's the mother? Where's the How can I get this baby back to his mother? Dreadful. Well, that baby could root around all it wanted to, but it was never going to find what it needed here. That baby could never be satisfied with me. Why? Because it was looking in the wrong place. But it's the same for us as human beings. The reason why we have such trouble having joy is because we're looking in all the wrong places. We look for joy in our achievements. We look for joy in our careers. We look for joy in our romantic relationships which let us down. We look for joy in the, in the unstable and changing circumstances of our lives. And so it's no wonder that we end up rooting around everywhere to find joy. That, that, that we try to fill ourselves with everything and nothing. Because like that little baby, we're looking in the wrong places. My heart, your heart, is made 
to find joy, not in the circumstances of our lives. Our hearts are created to find joy in the Lord Jesus. St. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And actually, that's what Paul says about himself in chapter three. In chapter three, Paul says, before he knew Christ, he was looking for joy in all sorts of places, looking for joy in his societal status. He was looking for joy in his work as a Pharisee. He was looking for joy in his acts, in the things that he did, in his relationships, in other people's opinions of him. But now, says Paul, now I've abandoned all of that. Now I consider all of that like excrement. I consider it a loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Before, Paul was looking in the wrong place. But now Jesus is his joy. Jesus is his righteousness. He feasts on Jesus. He delights in the death and resurrection of Jesus in his place. He revels in the goodness of Jesus, in his generosity towards him. He, he, he longs for the day when Jesus returns to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. He, he doesn't put his hope anymore in the things of this life. He doesn't live for what he can get out of this life, for, for, for food or for, for, for honour or for reputation or for, for, for glory from other people. He lives for the day when Jesus returns and he sees him face to face. And that is what it means to rejoice in the Lord. So can I ask you today, where are you looking for joy in your life? If you're looking for joy in the circumstances of your life, if you're looking for joy in your achievements, in your relationships, in your career, in your family, in your plans, as soon as one of those things is put in doubt, is threatened, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. You're going to be worried. And maybe that's the case for you right now, this morning. You have no peace. You, know, you have no joy because one of those things in your life is being threatened. Well, the joy which comes from knowing Jesus is a stable, robust joy which survives every storm. Because it's a joy which comes from knowing a person who never changes, who is the same yesterday and today and forever. And it's a joy which is founded on a historical event which will never change, which cannot change. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross 2,000 years ago guarantees to you God's love and his favour now, in the future and forever to everyone who places their confidence in him. And so that means that when I lose somebody who I love, I can have joy in my heart, even through the tears, because I know that Christ loves me. That, that he is good in every circumstance and he is coming back soon. 
when I lose my job, when, when somebody I love is diagnosed with an illness, when I can't have children, when, when, when things are tough, I can have joy even then because Christ is mine and I am his. Rejoice in the Lord, says Paul. But the question is, how? How can I do that? Well, Paul doesn't leave us uh, in the dark. And that's the second thing we're going to see today. The second of two things, he says. How do we have joy in every circumstance? How do we rejoice in the Lord? Well, the second thing, fix your thoughts on the Lord Jesus. Because that's what Paul says in, to the Philippians in verses 8 and 9, isn't it? Look at that with me. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What is the truest thing in the world? What is honourable like nothing else is honourable? What is more lovely than anything else in the universe? Who is more worthy of praise than anything else in existence? Well, it's Jesus, isn't it? It is the good news of the King. It is the gospel. You see what Paul's saying here in these verses? He's saying, yes, we have struggles. Yes, we have pain. Yes, we have difficulties which are real. Yes, life can be rubbish. Our plans go astray. Loved ones get ill. We don't get the job that we want. It goes badly with our kids. But in the middle of all that, Paul says that we are to be fixated on the gospel. That that, that our hearts and our thoughts are to be filled with the good news of Jesus. Now, I'm not very good at cooking. I'm going to admit it's just straight. I, brew, I, I, I burn everything. And I can't even follow the simplest instructions. I was trying to make toast for my kids the other day and I set off the smoke alarm. I am useless. But there's one thing that I know about cooking, and that is that the best way to prepare meat, and especially if it's lamb, is to let it marinate for a long time in a delicious sauce. So what do you do? I've seen people do it, never done it myself. I've seen people do it. You make this sauce, a marinade, full of flavor, full of taste, and you let that lamb joint or that that side of beef, you let it sit and soak in that marinade. And over time, this... The, 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 the taste and the, and the flavour of that sauce invades that meat and, and, and penetrates right into the deepest parts of the meat. Anybody feeling hungry? And in that way, if you let that meat marinate for long enough, when finally you come to eat that beautifully cooked lamb, which is slightly pink in the middle, like the French do it, perfectly. When you come to eat every mouthful, every tender mouthful of that lamb is impregnated with the taste of that marinade. 
because there's no part of the meat that this glorious source hasn't reached. And that is what Paul is saying to the Philippians here. He's saying that they need to be marinated in the gospel until it penetrates the deepest parts of their being, that they fix their thoughts on the Lord. He's saying, don't, don't, don't spend your time chewing on all of those things which have gone wrong in your life. Don't spend your time thinking about all of those things and dwelling on those things which haven't worked out the way that you wanted to. Don't be fixated on those things, but let your thoughts and your hearts be fixed on Jesus every day. Be, be marinated, be soaked, be, be, be impregnated with the good news of Jesus every day. And that is what God wants for us too, that we be marinated every day in the deep love of Jesus, that we be, be captivated by the one the, the, who is not just true, but who is the truth, that we be amazed by the only one who has lived an honourable life, who's the only one who's lived a, a life of love and who lived it in our place, that we'd be astonished at the beauty of this God who died and was raised for us, and that we'd be taken in worship and praise for the only one who is worthy of our praise, the Lord of glory. Because that, and only that, is how we'll have joy and peace, even when our plans go awry, uh, 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 and when we, we just don't understand what's going on in our lives. That is the way that we'll have hearts full of joy, even through tears, when our hearts are soaked and marinated in the love of Jesus to the deepest parts of our being. If you don't yet know this Jesus, I can tell you because I've tried it. You will not find anywhere else this kind of joy because your heart is made for Jesus. So please don't leave here today thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and try and find joy in all sorts of places. I'm going to go running after joy in all the places I've been running after joy up to now and it hasn't worked out. Today, Accept Jesus as your king. Today, bow the knee to Jesus and let him be your joy. And if you know this Jesus already, well, how can you be marinated in the love of Jesus every day? Well, we spend a lot of our time, don't we, preaching to ourselves. And if we don't think about what we're preaching to ourselves, we end up preaching to ourselves all sorts of of lies. I need this. This is the thing that I need in my life. And if only I had this, my life would go well. If only that thing had worked out, then my life would be working right. We spend our time justifying ourselves, saying, oh, I, I, I was right in that situation. They were wrong. We, te- we end up spending a lot of time preaching to ourselves things which are anti-gospel. And Paul's saying here, don't let those things be the things you preach to yourself. Preach to yourself the gospel. Every day, every moment, arm yourself daily 
with God's word and take the sword of God's word to those lies that the devil would preach to you. Remind yourself that Christ is enough, that he has done it all. And do that every day. And do that for each other too. Don't, don't, let's not let, in England, the, the national pastime is complaining. That's kind of our national hobby. Let's not let our communities look like English standard communities. Let's let our communities be communities where we don't spend our, our, our time complaining about our lives, but where we spend our time reminding each other about Jesus, where we point each other back again and again to dwell on Jesus. Let's not be a community of, of, of complaints and, and, uh, and, uh, and grumbling. Uh, the people who live as if we didn't know this God of grace who loves us and died for us. Let's be a community of people who have our hearts marinated in the gospel every day, who rejoice even when our plans go wrong, who rejoice even when the Astros lose. Because that is the way that the good news of Jesus is going to shine out from us here in, in, in Montrose, here in Houston, in England, in, in France, in Ivory Coast, into the ends of the earth, by us being communities of people who show by the joy that we have that nothing can shake, that our Jesus is real, that he is glorious, that he has died and risen and is reigning, and that he's coming back soon. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we have spent so much of our lives searching for joy in all the wrong places. We have set up idols in our lives that we have run after and said that we must have that in order to be happy. And yet, Lord, we, when we get it, it doesn't do it. And yet we carry on. Lord, we're sorry for all of the ways in which we have, uh, our hearts have wandered from you and sought joy in all sorts of places which aren't Christ. Please forgive us and please let your grace, like a fetter, bind our hearts to you. Lord, please may we be a community of people who seek after joy only in Christ, for whom we can say Christ is our all and he is enough. Let us, like Paul, please fix our eyes on Jesus and long for the day when he returns. And please give us the joy of being a community which shows to the world around us the reality of Jesus through the indestructible joy that you give us by your spirit through your son and we pray it for his glory